Welcome back to Rock Hard Caucus. Um, I, my name is Natalie. As you guys know, I am here with Justin. Hello. Stella. I just want to um, be praised for the restraint I took not to eat a bunch of blue Halloween candy right before this call <laughs> because we're, we're doing video as well. So I could have like a very blue <laughs> up in my mouth. So let that be recognized on the record. Thank you. <laughs> and Evan. Hello, how you doing? I got a 25-ounce bush light, so I'm 100% prepared oh, yeah. for the <laughs> podcast. I just brought water this time. I'm being healthy. <laughs> and we have a really special guest with us today, and I'm so excited and so nervous, but mostly excited. So we have Indira with us, who just won <laughs> Councilwoman Elect for Ward 1. <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, the only funny thing I can think of to say is that my cat punched me in the forehead like an hour ago, and I was bleeding. And so I have <gasps> Oh, my God. There. That's what I got. <laughs> How strong is your cat? Uh, we boxed. Um, I usually win, but not always. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what did you say to your cat? <laughs> Do you have political disagreements with your cat? <laughs> no, he's definitely far left. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that the cat in the background? A cat just That's a by. different cat? There's lots of oh. cats in this building right now. <laughs> yeah. So I did the unthinkable to prepare for this interview we have today. And that's, I got a Des Moines Register subscription. No. I know. I know. I got so much shit for it because I could have like gone around the paywall if I was smarter. Um, But I did. I got one um, so I could go through and read all their coverage of you, which was abysmal and disgusting. And (laughs) and I think treating you so poorly. Yeah, <laughs> might need to edit some of that out. <laughs> Make a note. <laughs> um, so I printed out all the articles. I just went and searched Indira and printed out everything they've written about you. You got hard copies. I got hard copies because I was like too nervous about pulling up too many screens at once. <laughs> um, I was just, um, she had a Twitter thread about the way that she had been covered in particular by the Des Moines Register. And I was just so angry. So I kind of did like a mini media analysis of like how you were covered locally. And it was like pretty egregious. Um, the the worst thing was, so um, before they did their endorsements, they did these like 30 minute interviews and they were like recorded on Zoom um, and then they posted the video. So I think you and Dira had uh, like four, four people with you, five people maybe. Four or five, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Bill Gray did one. And then that uh, big dork they endorsed over you, Marcus, did one. <laughs> <laughs> and the way they treated you was just so condescending. Um, and it was not the same as the two male candidates. I didn't watch the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> they were like very, they were very serious. <laughs> it was just like they, when they talked to you, they seemed to be explaining some of the most basic concepts like i don't know if you've heard of joppa but <laughs> whereas, like, whereas, like, i don't know if you've heard of des moines mutual aid but <laughs> honestly that's what, how i felt in that question i was like no i know joppa because they're like in direct like 
make things harder for Des Moines Mutual Aid to like actually provide services. So no, I know Joppa. Right. They're like, (laughs) they're like sketchy as fuck. And Mm -hmm. um, they've been Mm -hmm. in the news for wasting a bunch of money and everyone quit. So yes, I'm familiar with Joppa. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, unfortunately, I did watch the other two interviews. And it's I don't know. The one the one guy, Marcus, is just like a big milk to a slow loser dark dork. And Bill Gray <laughs> Bill Gray was something else. I tell you what, his answer to the um homelessness question was that he would encourage um homeownership, which is like not what they were looking for at all. Versus like yeah. Indira's answer was like went on multiple layers. Like, first of all, we need to have space for people to have safe encampments. And then we need to encourage density in housing. We need to, like, get people into housing now, like the housing first model, Um, you know, focus on multifamily homes, restore the housing we have instead of building more. Like, there are just many, many layers that I thought were a lot more in depth. But I was wondering if you want to tell us what your experience during that interview was or like with the Des Moines Register in general there was like a like pursed face bitch I hated so much she was like yeah I hated her so much did you call her purse faced like squinty mouth purse lips like she just ate a lemon Yeah, can we? I'm sorry, we have to pause. He said that to solve to solve um, homelessness, people who are homeless should just buy homes. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I I doubt he said it like that because he has like very canned answers for everything, and so I'm sure it was just like Mm. homeownership is the thing I can talk about under this subheading Mm -hmm. Um, Uh because he had to have a script. He had to have a script for everything because anytime he went off script, he said something racist. It was bad. Yeah. He cited like one affordable housing complex that they've built, which I could go into affordable housing stuff forever because it's just like a way to give tax breaks to developers. And it's not affordable. No, it's not affordable at all. It's just like... Yeah, that's not the answer. But he basically said, we we built this one complex and then we want to encourage homeownership through tax incentives. So we love Solve that. Solve the problem. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone tried that? <laughs> Have you tried not being poor? <laughs> yeah, no, that interview, it was an interesting experience because I was in my car um, and I didn't realize that my audio was like over my car, like phone <laughs> system or whatever. And like until it switched off, and I was like, oh God, like we can't use any of this in marketing because it sounds so bad. <laughs> but because I was like, I honestly felt like I was on fire in that interview. And I had, mm-hmm. there were a couple people in the room who were like nodding and like, oh yeah, that sounds great. And like obviously, Carol, like, I don't know. I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt until I don't. Um, but like, she was kind of like, mm, oh, okay. Oh, sure. And I was like, oh, she's getting it. Until I saw the endorsement and I was just like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> I literally, I, I called Jalen, um, who's my political director. I called Jalen right after. And I was like, if they don't endorse me, they're cowards. That was amazing. That was so good. And then they get it. <laughs> Turns out they're cowards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't have that third option if they didn't have that third option they wouldn't have endorsed that's what i think because you can't endorse bill gray no you can't but like with their like little pursed mouth and she was like have you have you considered that like you know you can't just get rid of the police or like what do you mean by (laughs) have you really thought through the 
people's council thing with the little lips. Yes, I have thought about it a lot. I, so I'm in Iowa City, so most of my knowledge of like what's been going on with the Des Moines City Council for the past couple of years is through like Jalen's tweets, mostly. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to jump in here because I am going to take credit because Jalen gets his information from me. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to thank him for being like the, the middleman for that information to me. Um but I, I've got like kind of an idea already, but like, why did you decide you needed to run against Bill Gray? What's wrong with him? Everything. Um, it was a, <laughs> it was a split second decision. Literally, we were out protesting. Obviously, the first couple of weeks of protesting in Des Moines were like you hear that people are showing up somewhere and you're there. Mm-hmm. the police also hear that they show up, they start shooting tear gas. Um, yeah. It was just like at the Capitol all the time over and over again. And then um, there were multiple instances and it started um, on May 31st. Actually, um, I live really near Merle Mall. Mm-hmm. And on May 31st is when things were happening at the police station. That was like everybody kneeled with the cops sort of thing, yeah. um, which got blasted across the country. Um, <laughs> and then at the same time, cops were at Merle Mall tear gassing 15 year olds. And I had come home after because I was down by the police station. I come home after that, turn on the news and I see what's going on down there. Um, And so I'm like, we need to go up there right now. I hear people talking. I go up there and I'm like, I just need to be a part of this and see what's going on. That is when a lot of like community leaders and people who are involved in organizations were like, you need to go through the systems. You need to like be at these tables and we can help you get there. I don't know how much follow up there was. There wasn't any follow up with me, but um, (laughs) people were telling us to go to city council meetings. And from that point on, it was June 8th city council meeting, June 8th city council meeting over and over again at every protest. Somebody had a sign. So it got in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to show up to the city council meeting. Um, They were doing the racial profiling ban. And I'm like, it's 2020. We don't have a racial profiling ban. <laughs> so I was angry immediately, um, jumped on, talked my shit. And after that meeting, I'm just like standing in the hallway with my sister and she is like looking it up and she's like, Hey, our seats open. Uh, you should run. And I was like, you're serious. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> um, and I had to like, obviously there was a long period of time between then and like February when we announced, but Like I like the people's council was what made the decision for me really was that I was like, there is no way for us to reach our like representatives right now. There's no way for them to be held accountable to us. And there's no way, like, even if they are like the most, you know, benevolent, whatever they like, can't take in all the information from all their constituents. And so I was like, what kind of structures could I set up in place if I was going to do this? I could do like office hours. I could do community meetings. I could do town halls. I was like all this stuff, but I was like, it's not like enough. And then it was actually when I started getting involved with um, people's town hall, which I'm very proud of um, that I was literally, I think I was on my way from Iowa city to Des Moines listening to like, a YouTube video, like podcast style YouTube video in the car that talked about people's assemblies. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's it. And I show up at the first (laughs) people's town hall meeting at the sculpture park. And I just get up on the mic and I was like, what if we had a ward one people's council? And they were like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, cool. That's it. That's the idea. Um, And then in December met with like Jalen and other BLM people, Um, you know, like we finished up our meeting and we were just like chatting and they were like, award one is winnable. Who's the candidate directly asking me? Um, and I was like, if you, you think I can win it? They said, yes. I said, okay, I'll do it. That's it. 
long story, but yeah. Well, I mean, it turns out they were right. You won. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. <laughs> That's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> so like when like surrounding meetings or what are, what's kind of your vision for how this will look as far as like when you're, when you're at meetings, how you're going to follow up with them, how you're going to work with the council, like as a resident of Ward 1, like how do I get involved? Um, with people's councils or are you talking about with the city council level? Um, talking about like going to the people's council and then like seeing you at city council and like giving feedback about what they're doing, stuff like that. Like how, how do people get involved with you? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, like we're going to be organizing people's councils over the next couple of months in like transition. Um, but then also, you know, it's going to be like the ongoing project for however long it takes first year, first term. I'm not really sure how long it's going to take to get it to like the organizational point that we want to. Um, but we should be putting together, like we have a list of people who are interested, but we should be putting together like more ways on the website, probably to get involved and say like, this is something that I want to do, but we're going to be reaching out, um, potentially on specific issues to start with, with people's councils. Uh, but I am still going to be doing like office hours and things like that. Any kind of communication with the community. Uh, my email is open as well. I like, I already have people reaching out to me um, who have like amazing ideas of things that we need to be doing in the city, whether they like work within a certain department, like not with the city specifically, but um, if they have experience in some place where they're like, I know that this is a deficiency. Um, here's a whole entire plan. And I'm like, amazing. Let's meet up and let's work together. Um, so that's what I'm really looking forward to doing. But we are looking into getting like community office space as well. Um, so we're going to be hopefully like, yeah, like ingrained in the community having places that people can come, hopefully, ha hopefully having resources if we can do that as well. Um, that's the idea. It's going to be growing from here. So sounds like that's really a testament like to how excited people are about that you want. Yeah. <laughs> that they already are like sharing ideas with you. And um, it sounds like you'll be really accessible to the community too. So yes, I, it's going to be really important. Um, and I kind of went into this in that like Twitter rant or whatever, like I, it's going to be, I need to be intentionally grounding myself in the community because this institution is going to try to sweep me up and mm -hmm. like make me do everything through them and all of that. And I need to like keep my head out of that <laughs> as much yes. as I can. And like with the people, because that is the, like, that's, that was the intention of running. And I don't want to get up there and have people be pissed at me because I'm not in the community. Yeah. I, I, that's that that's like such a tough transition because there are going to be people pissed at you. Well yeah, the people are pissed at me either way. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. yeah I know. I'm gonna do I wanna do better than what people expect from politicians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, it's fine for people to be pissed at you if they're pissed for like the right, the right reasons, right? Or the right like, people are pissed at me. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of a badge of honor if certain people are mad at you. Like, I hope there's yeah. landlords and developers up yelling at oh, you. Oh, I want them to be pissed at me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember where the signs were. I remember where the Bill Grace signs were. They were in apartment <laughs> complexes and I know which ones. <laughs> This is how all things should be run on, on spite. <laughs> That's politics, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I would do. That's why you're a better person than me. <laughs> 
So um, a big part of your victory was um, reaching out to like you, your campaign materials. You got mm-hmm. translated into a number of different languages. It said you were able to reach like 700 more people that way. People who can't usually access campaign materials because they speak Thai or whatever the language may be. So your big victory has been reaching out to people who have never felt heard or have never voted or have never like, you know, felt a part of anything. And so when you're going out and speaking to people, what kinds of um, like voices in Des Moines have felt unheard and what are the like problems facing them? You know, people who are maybe more silenced and we don't hear about. Yeah. um, I think a lot of the issues that came up in like, Riverbend areas like King, Mont Damon, like those areas, a lot of time it was violence and it was very much like there is no response <laughs> at all. Um, a big issue right now is around this community center, um, which is in the process of shutting down and or like lost a bunch of services recently and being acquired by the city. And in the process of like, it's been a really complicated, like people have had promises made and then like those co- like people dropped out of funding it. And essentially people are like worried that they're going to lose all these resources in their community or like haven't had them for a while and need them again. Um, so this is a big issue on a community center where it's like kids have nowhere to go. Kids have nothing to do, um, get involved in like dangerous shit. And then there's like shootings like all the time. Um, the biggest issue that comes like to my mind always is housing. Um, there's like, and that's on so many different levels because there's a bunch of like empty lots and abandoned houses that like nobody's doing anything with. And the city's solution is blitz on blight, which I mean, red flags right there. Um, (laughs) but there's that situation. And then there's also like people that we weren't really reaching out to through the campaign because like, there are like houseless folks in these areas as well. And it's like, what can we do to get people housed? Um, what can we do to make it so people can afford their housing? Things like that. Things that sometimes maybe look like the city is addressing them as in, but I think they're just using them as, as issues to be like, oh, we know about this. We know about the violence and don't worry. We sent the police to this one incident or something like that when it's like, you're not actually solving the real problems. Um, and I think that the issues changed as well across generation a little bit of like, at least how people saw them, like younger people would be like, oh yeah, the violence is this problem same way as like an older generation, but then would say that cops aren't the solution. Yeah. 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 It, it feels like both of those issues were like the biggest things that they were asking you and your opponents like for the register, but then there was always these like extremely fake things that they're already doing so it's clearly not working it's always like we need to invest in personnel and we need to um and there's always this idea we're going to like expand the police force by adding mental health professionals as though like when they're still a part of that machinery they aren't going to behave in exactly the same way um or bill gray's big thing is that he was going to build a substance abuse treatment center as though like the way he talked about that was horrifying to me He was literally, it was like when he was talking about like essentially a drunk tank, he's like, well, we're just going to tell people you can go to jail or you can go here. And I'm like, so what's the difference? (laughs) And like, he's like, oh, these people need mental health help. And like, you know, basically like saying everything, but like slurs about people. It's just horrifying the way he talked about it. 
Yeah, and it's no no acknowledgement that it's it's often a symptom and yeah. not the cause. Like, you know, if people are are miserable and suffering, I mean, it's sometimes the only relief people have. And like if you can get people housed and there's like kind of no acknowledgement when all of these people are talking about expanding shelters or whatever that mm-hmm. like people can't bring their dog to shelters. People yeah. can't that you know, people can't be intoxicated at shelters and like it's like they don't want to acknowledge the reality of like what these people go through because like sometimes it's messy and you don't love to like you know you don't love to think about the fact that like yeah you have to let addicts come when they're high like because you have to have a safe place you have to get them somewhere safe first or you can't you know do all of these other things so I think that like everyone's asking about affordable housing and everyone's asking about the police but it's always a whole lot of bullshit and it's, it's like safe this- options safe solutions that like yeah. don't upset the status quo don't upset like wealthy like landowning folks <laughs> <laughs> and um one thing I noticed is everyone keeps talking about this invest DSM thing so <laughs> I, I went to the website and looked this shit up. So like it's this <laughs> it's <those> yuppie <laughs> bullshit. Ever so, like, so it's like, okay, so everyone but Indira, when they're talking about affordable housing, they're talking about like, you know, I contribute or want to talk about invest DSM. Mm-hmm. And like There's nothing for renters, first of all. It's all stuff for, like, homeowners. And then, so Mm -hmm. if you want to get the assistance to, like, improve your neighborhood, you need to find five or more of your neighbors. (laughs) You need to go Mm -hmm. apply for a grant together to do exterior work, which is up to $2,500. And it's matching funds. And you apply for it afterwards. Or forgivable (laughs) loans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's just like the most like fucking neolib solution of like so you're directing people to like go apply for grants where you have to pay first and then like it's it's astounding. It's a so scam. like <laughs> yeah. And what's, yeah, what's the purpose of that? It's just to like do home renovations? Yeah. Get rid of blight. So, that doesn't Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that that's really seem like a solution to the actual problem. It's they want to <laughs> paper over it they want to make properties look better they don't actually care about who's actually living in them <laughs> right that's it's all not aesthetic. interior either i don't think invest does interior i think it's all exterior Mm-mm. and i'm not 100 on that but i think it's all exterior some of us don't have five friends either i think <laughs> like that is the real barrier that is true <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say like it's bad to like build up those community partnerships and like go talk to your neighbors and build oh, the yeah. community like that yeah. is just mutual aid work which is great um, it's, do you have the money to front? And yeah. the answer is no. And it's actually really right. interesting to me because they like, um, piloted this in three areas of the city. I believe, um, two of them are just rich white areas or, you know, middle-class. And one of them is on the East side around one of the community centers where I actually used to work. And so I'm pretty familiar with the area and guess what? They had trouble getting it off the ground there. And they're like, <laughs> we got a poster more. We got to get people talking <laughs> to their neighbors. <laughs> And I'm like, is that the problem? Are you sure? Because like, I see the people who come in here and they don't have that money. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I know people who come in here. I've driven around the neighborhood. Like, nobody, like, no, I don't have that fucking money. Like, it's ridiculous. And it made me so mad, too, because they're essentially building up new programs that are similar to that one. Um, except for in these new programs, they are going to send out, like, without telling people, as far as I could tell, they're going to send out, like, neighborhood uh like assessors people who to come and like check on the house and see if there's code violations and oh. then essentially 
be like, oh, you have a code violation and you need to fix that. And the question that one of the council members asked is like, do we have the resources then to fund, like to help people with that? Like they're essentially going to be put on a a waiting list to get those resources once they've been given this like citation. And it's like, well, we're working on that piece. So you're going to come in, punish people for not being able to afford to upkeep their house and then not even have the resources to help them do it. Yeah, that's just going to get people kicked out of their homes. Like, leave them alone. <laughs> They're going to make a squad to go tell people their houses look like shit, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you hear, like, oh, but, like, there, people are living in dangerous situations, and it's actually, like, it's so dangerous. And I'm like, you know what's less dangerous than a house with code violations is not having a house. Yeah, yeah. If I have a roof with holes, I still have a roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, designed like, to make it worse. It's just looking at the outside of your house and being like, oh, this is looking bad and that's looking bad. It's all like facade. It's all image. Right. Right. It's all about the property owners around you. It's still like serving the like landowners in the area. And it's like dressing like these programs are supposed to be to like, you know, help people improve their housing when really it's just like, you know, we need to get someone to get on these houses that are pulling down my property value. Well, if it it looks okay on the outside, then (laughs) who cares? There's one street that I drive down specifically that has invest DSM signs and every house is two story and like this big manor and has these beautiful lawns. And I just get so angry every time I drive down that street. I get so angry. (laughs) I think Bill Gray himself got like $7,000 to work on his house. The council members, I don't know if y'all were tapped in at all to the conflict of interest um, conversation. Oh my God. Horrifying. I was giving money to their family. (laughs) I was listening to this sitting in the um, parking lot of Polk County Jail and I was just fuming. Like my friend had COVID and was like, like literally immunocompromised. And I was like, they're going to die. I was sitting waiting for somebody to get out of Polk County jail. And I'm listening to them complain and say, like, not being able to give my family benefits um, from the city level is the highest form of discrimination. (laughs) I was losing my mind. (laughs) Literal quote from Bill Gray. Wow. Council people are a protected class. <laughs> uh, Indira, you mentioned that when canvassing, there was a bit of a generational divide when it came to uh, police. And something very notable about your campaign is that you were explicitly running on defunding police. It's It yeah. was the, the top issue listed on your campaign website. You were not shying away from that issue at all which is i mean thank you so much for doing that Uh, absolutely most (laughs) yeah most of the you know people running campaigns or think that's a third rail so you winning with that featured prominently in your campaign material is like so exciting but uh yeah did you run into a lot of people who were like resistant to that idea yeah. Um, it was a little scary sometimes to hand people our lit, especially like sometimes we're knocking the door and we're like, I'm like, I'm going to start off by talking about something else. Um, and then see, because like, it's obviously it wasn't the only thing I was running on, of course. um, which obviously it's the exciting part. So that's like the framing right now is like, <laughs> she ran on defund and that was her entire platform. <laughs> yeah, I saw in one article, it was like, she ran on defund and decriminalizing marijuana. And I was like, I didn't even put that anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I didn't say that. <laughs> also, that's not exciting anymore. <laughs> 
Um, but it wasn't something that we were like hiding. Um, for one, like I came up through the protests and as a BLM organizer, like I can't pretend that that's not what I stand for. Like, yeah, I don't think it helps to do that. Like people are going to see right through it, right? Obviously. And it's not something I wanted to do because I was also just like pissed off after the, um, 2020, uh, elections and, I don't know. We were just like in the Facebook groups being like, you guys suck. And da, 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 da. and they're like, defund lost us elections. And we were like, no, it didn't. <laughs> you talking about the Polk County Dems? Yes. Yeah, I heard a lot about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We were, we were making a mess. Um, I had to delete some comments in there before I ran. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it was very much like the narrative immediately shifted to defund lost Democrats, these races. And I was like, none of you ran on defund. And so when I was like, I was already thinking about running at that point and almost like decided. And I was like, you know what? Like the only thing to do is to run on defund and prove you wrong. Like it was very much, I was like, if this loses me the campaign, so be it. But like, we have to actually, like somebody has to do it. Somebody has to run on defund and like actually do that. And then we can say defund lost elections if that happens. And it didn't. So (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't. Um, But it was, it was really interesting because sometimes you would be like, what's the problem? There's violence in the area. What's, what solution do you want to see? We want to see more police. Right. And that's like a common narrative, but Mm -hmm. it's because it's the public safety system that we have in place. And I think what's really interesting is when you have these longer conversations with people who are hesitant to adopt defund as an ideology or even as something that they would like sort of even want to vote for or support. If you talk about the numbers for one, 40% of the general fund goes to the police in Des Moines. It's nearing $80 million. It's like over $78 million right now for their entire budget overall, including like money they get from the federal government, um, nearing $78 million. And one conversation we had, it was literally like, I don't know about defund. Do you know they have $80 million? Oh, okay. I can do defund. <laughs> like that. It was so fast. Um, and so I think that people are like more open to it than we think. Um, obviously you've got like people in our circles who are like hundred percent behind it. And you've got people who are going to be hundred percent against it because of whatever framing they've seen. But when you actually have a conversation and you actually say like, Hey, we don't really have a public safety system. This doesn't actually serve anybody. Hey, you know how the cops don't show up. And when they do, they kill somebody. Like (laughs) it's a pretty easy conversation to have, honestly. And I mean, I think we all know, like the ideas are there and they're legitimate. And it's just that people haven't heard the ideas behind it. They've only heard the slogan. And all of the media spin around it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it too. Yeah. Some of that, but I don't know. It's just, it, there's a hesitation, but it's not like an opposition really. And sometimes like, I would just be like, oh, I want to do this and this and this and this and this and this and also defund the police. And they're like, all right, sure. <laughs> they're like, I'm like, do you want to sign? They're like, yeah, sure. And I put a sign in their yard. It was that, it was just, that's it. <laughs> So also people don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably approaching a lot of people who had like never been canvassed for a local election. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. <laughs> people who were, were like, I lived here 15 years and I've never had anyone knock on my door. Really? Wow. And I wasn't surprised. I mean, we knew that going in. Like we knew that yeah. without having to know it, you know, like I knew who my opponent was. I knew that like he literally equated in one of our forums, he equated Ward 1 to Beaverdale. He said, we want people, it was a question about Ward 1, something about economic development or something. And he was like, yeah, we want people to stay in Beaverdale and be able to live in their homes in Beaverdale. And I was like, Beaverdale? Beaverdale? Because that's not Ward 1. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, but like you cross like uh, MLK and 
no one's been over there for I don't know how long. (laughs) So like when people try to use something like, well, why don't we just have a civilian review board? So like, what's your answer to that? Or why is that not not an answer? I mean, I think we know that's that's nonsense. But like when when someone comes and says like, you know, we'll we'll just have a review board to have accountability and offer, you know, some solutions. Your um, opponent they endorsed is all about data. (laughs) (laughs) He's like really obsessed with like, if we could just get more data, which is like a kind of Democrat disease. (laughs) (laughs) We have the data. People know. You just need to talk to your community. Like, yeah. Um, I was actually asked this like right before the end of the campaign and I didn't like get a chance to talk about it. And I was like, fine, you know, but I was asked this right before the end of the campaign. And the reporter was asking me, was like, I assume that you're on board with the community review board. And I was like, actually, no, um, because the situation is that the we have the police officer bill of rights in the state code, um, Iowa code. And because of that, no, like outside, like no community, civilian, citizen, whatever you want to call it, like no board. Uh, made up of the people can have any kind of power, like literally nothing with clause. Um, you can't be in charge of hiring and firing. You can't be, you can't even do investigations. Um, it's all controlled by the police. If you want to go, like you actually want to do an investigation, you have to go to like a higher police force or, or um, like legal force essentially. And so I'm like, I don't see the point. And I actually think it's detrimental to be pushing for something like that very hard because if we do that, we're going to just like wipe our hands and say, we solved the problem. Like it, we saw it with like the, the reason that they were going through the racial profiling ban, June 8th, the first city council meeting after the protest started was because the protest started and they were like, we have to do something to appear to be doing something. Yes. And they put out a racial profiling ban that had literally no clause. And the same night that it got approved, my friends were kettled and beaten and, and pepper gassed or pepper gelled uh, downtown right next to the Capitol. And like, I'm literally knocking on Bill Gray's door the next morning. Like, what are you going to do about this? And he says, we're not going to do anything. I was like, so who, what, who did this help? And like, not like black people are getting like less racially profiled in Des Moines right now. Like nothing has changed and nothing's going to change. And so my concern with the community review board, it looks nice and it won't do anything. And we're going to use that to say that we've done something and that there is oversight and there is accountability. And once you get something like that in place, it's going to be another however many years until people realize it's not working. So I honestly, like, I'm not willing to push for it and I'm not willing to vote for it unless I see a version of it that's actually going to do something. Like, I, I don't want to put anything in place that the rest of the council can pat themselves on the back and say, like, we did it, guys. <laughs> I learned recently that the Citizen Review Board here in Coralville, their agenda is literally run by the chief of police. That's <laughs> 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 the guy that was, like, flipping off... Uh... <laughs> the camera was that the Coralville Community Review Board. I think I, I, was flipping off the camera. I think. That, oh, well, he was right, like right, right. Yeah, yeah, he was doing the temple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, we're in a really rough spot with Des Moines right now. I think um, because with my like election to the council, there's a lot of opportunity to get things through about police, and they will all be reform because <laughs> I am the only one who's going to be pushing like any like any sort of like thing we try to implement to say let's take something off of the police's plate let's you know move this to a cahoots model let's the cure violence program that they're starting up anything like that is going to have police heavily involved in it right now um and so i'm in a position where all the things that i'm running on i'm probably going to end up having to vote no on because the police are going to be involved and i can't sit here and be like yes it's a good idea to essentially 
put a mask on the police department and have people go out and then like, oops, you got a little too hectic. You got a little too rowdy. I'm calling the police on you now. <laughs> like they're saying that's not going to happen with cure violence, but the police, as far as what it looks like right now, are going to be involved in picking who is even in the program, like who the interrupters are. And like, I don't want them at the table at all. And anything that we do, it's not going to be like, oh, we gave these um, duties to somebody outside the police department or someone else in the police department who doesn't, isn't like a sworn officer, but they're not going to take any police officers away. So then you just have a bunch of people getting paid to do nothing except for go and like rough up like immigrants and homeless people and black people. Like it's a really sticky situation right now. Can you tell us a little bit more for our listeners about Cure Violence and Cahoots and what is kind of the idea of it? And I remember you talking in your interview a little bit about how Austin is an example of like moving in the right direction. Um, And so can you tell us a little bit more about that stuff? So Cure Violence, the city has already committed to. It is essentially a program that treats violence like uh, public health situation. Uh, And so they have a pretty good model from what I can tell. They have like violence interrupters. They have um, people who are like ingrained in the community from the community that people trust who are supposed to be identifying when like there's going to be tensions, when violence could occur, um, trying to essentially come in before that step. And then also to be doing like mediation after the fact to prevent further violence from happening. And that's all well and good as long as like the police are not involved. Um, And there's also just kind of the way they choose the communities is a little bit suspect because it's the same areas that a lot of development is happening right now. And again, like you've got to just be really careful with how you're implementing something like that. Um, Like, is it essentially just a gentrification measure um, Mm -hmm. to make this area right for development um, or is it actually meant to help the community? And then there's programs like Cahoots, uh, which is out of Eugene, Oregon, was where it was originally implemented. That's uh, essentially like social workers, mental health workers, um, care workers are responding to a certain percentage of 911 calls. And it can be implemented without the police, with the police around the corner, um, with the police on call, or with the police literally coming on the call with them. Um, Ideally, a situation like that, you would want no police involvement um, because a lot of time, like just the way that our culture is in the United States, like you're just, you call the police for everything. Yeah. So it's probably good to have it on like a 911 service. So that that those calls aren't going to the police if we have another institution in place. But then we run into the same problems of like, is this just policing with a different face on? So it's it's all really complicated. Um, but what I did like that Austin was doing was literally taking money out of the police department. And there was a lot of fight about this in their city council, but literally taking money out of the police department and like buying a hotel hmm. and using that as housing. Like that is the kind of thing that we want to be focusing on is like not looking at the public safety budget as needing to remain the same, but realizing that it is completely bloated and there are other places this money could be going and it doesn't have to stay in public safety, whether you like dress it up in a different way or not. Um, Because if you house people, then you don't have people calling the 911 line about houseless people and homeless people and panhandling and stuff like that, because you're giving people the resources that they need. And so like, honestly, that should be the main focus, but then also addressing like, I mean, violence can be addressed with a community center. Like that is something that we learned on the doors that people are like, this is what we want to solve this in our, in our neighborhood. If you actually invest some of that money in those services, and then if you essentially take any additional public safety services out of the police department so that they're not overseen by the um, chief of police, that they're not overseen by 
somebody, some police officer is going to be the head of that program, essentially, um, then we're going to be actually building up better systems. And it really depends on how much say people have in what's happening and how much is coming from the top down, telling people what they need to be doing. Because mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to find solutions that way. What kinds of powers like um, does a city council have over like the city manager or uh, the chief of police or if <laughs> if they wanted to, because that's always the thing, right, is they never want to wield the amount of power that they have because they want to be like, oh, there's nothing we can do. But like, you know, theoretically, if people really tried to seize it, like what kinds of powers does the city council have over those people? So the city council is in the city council is in charge of hiring and firing the city manager. Um, I Love believe. That. <laughs> Let's get rid of him, Scott Sanders. Get the yes. fuck out. <laughs> the city council, the city attorney, and the city clerk. So that's a list. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where, like, you give performance reviews. I think every year. Um, and you can make those decisions and it's I'm one in seven votes and then and, 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 and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but the city manager then essentially hires everybody else in the city. Uh, so the city manager is in charge of hiring and firing police chief, uh, any other heads of departments and stuff like that. But city council can be like city manager, we want you to fire the police chief. And then if he does it, then he's not doing his job because you're his boss. So I think that there's a lot of influence there that is yeah, not being used <laughs> Um and which I don't intend to shy away from. Like I literally took uh, a photo with that big defund DMPD banner. Is defund DMPD um, firing at fire standards? I took a picture of that at my victory party, so I can't sit here and be like, Scott, we're besties now. Like, <laughs> you know, I want to fire you, and I will do my best to do that. <laughs> to <be possible. laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think like that is a big. That's got to be a big like point of interest for me and for anybody else that we get on the council and for anybody else that we can flip on the council. We'll see Um, because the department head and especially the city manager is going to be in charge of the entire like culture of the department or the entire culture of the city like staff and which they're the ones who do everything. Um, and so if you are like, I want to switch us from me, sorry, if I'm like, I want to switch us from a car dependent city to a transportation city. Mm-hmm. If you don't have all the people in place who have that intention, they either don't have the expertise or they don't have the desire to actually do something like that. And so when you say like, what can we be doing to expand public transportation? And they're like, mm, I don't know, but I think we should be building parking lots. Like <laughs> you just need to replace the staff. Like the staff <laughs> needs to have essentially the same politics that you want your city to be aiming for. And we don't have that. So this might not be something you want to talk about yet, but uh, do you foresee being able to flip any other members of the council to your position? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I know one. I think that <laughs> this was the first, um, this was the first local election we had after the protests and yeah. From like the buildup from 2014, 2015, all the way to 2020 and like huge international movement, people's focus has changed. And I think as long as we keep the focus on municipalities, as long as we keep the focus on like city elections and city level, like local level stuff, um, because people's people's attention wasn't there. It's always been on national. And everyone says, get involved in local because they actually know like that's where shit actually happens. Mm -hmm. But no one, I don't think a lot of people were looking there. And now all of the issues that are really, really like present right now are at the local level, school board and city and yeah. maybe county. Um, and so I think as long as we keep the the attention there, um, especially in Des Moines, where honestly, this was very exciting. <laughs> like this was a big deal. And I think that we can, we are kind of laying the path 
for other people to come in with a more radical agenda and take a few of those seats. And the next election is honestly like this election was building blocks because the next one is when we can actually flip to get four votes. Yeah. Uh, we have four seats up. We've got the mayor, we've got an at large and we've got two wards and the wards are probably going to be the hardest ones to flip, but yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, nice. and just the fact that you proved that this could be done should hopefully scare those mm-hmm. people. Yeah that they're going to have to be more responsive and like demonstrate willing to do something on some of this stuff. I hope stuff. it doesn't scare them. I hope that they feel really comfy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they Don't stay. Don't any money. Stay Don't just the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. This is a fluke. It's, it won't happen again. It won't happen to you. Uh, Joe Gatto is my council person and I'm pretty sure he's very comfortable. <laughs> he's, He's going to be the toughest one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I will, he doesn't even live in his ward and, and people, yeah. everyone knows that yeah. he's still collected. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even live. <laughs> he doesn't nope, even live I've in heard. his ward. He puts yeah. his mom's house as the, <laughs> his, uh, he actually residence. had to get a special exception from the mayor because like the mayor was like, Oh, well you own a business here. So I will allow you <laughs> to, um, run in this seat. And then interestingly, when the mayor, um, abstains from votes that have to do with his family members getting huge development projects guess who's pushing for these things to happen <laughs> the guy who he let run for a seat for a, a, an area he doesn't live in yeah. right in favors you mentioned conflicts <laughs> of interest <laughs> i'm sure there's no connection you guys <laughs> definitely not there's also definitely no connection between joe gatto calling another member of county's family who is also a developer his friend <laughs> publicly <laughs> The fact that Jim County donated five thousand dollars to Mandelbaum. Yeah, there you go. Oh my yeah. god, that dude! Did he go to one of yeah, his dinners? Interesting. The guy who got the huge contract for the market district, which is billions and billions of dollars, donated to Mandelbaum. Mm. Five thousand dollars, which I think that's like more than even the legal limit in Iowa City for an entire campaign, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know all those numbers, but. I wouldn't doubt it. I guess 25 for y'all. Okay. Right. I, I don't know. The numbers were super low in our city because they have like cat, they have limits. Yeah. Spending limits here in Des Moines. You got Josh Mandelbaum with $200,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I have the like Des Moines city council races are bringing in big bucks and it's like, it's jaw dropping. It's flooring. Mm-hmm. Also, I just have to say that I love that one of the two big donations you got was from your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> So every donation she got was between $1 and $25. Most of them were between $1 and $25, but a lot of them were around like the $30 range. We got a couple higher dollars than that, but like the two biggest were $1,000 from the guy who owns Woolies, who I've never met, and my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you guys a secret. Um, My sister, sister, she boasts and brags. She was doing fundraising for me, but she boasts and brags. But my 27th birthday, she got me um, $2,700. And oh, she did so amazing. $1,000 of that was my grandma just (laughs) (laughs) I love your anti-police program platform. That's so cool. That is something. Um, did you know you are 27 years old? Because that seems to be a, like a major to focus. Mm. Widely in the media reported. <laughs> oh, my sister's mad that I just exposed her. Um, <laughs> 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 
It was a tactic. Um, Yes, I am aware I'm 27 years old. Um, It was interesting because I thought that a lot of this stuff was going to come up more during the campaign. Um, I thought that like my age was going to come up. I thought that um, the fact that I was accused of jumping on a cop's back and putting him in a chokehold was going to come up. None of that really came up. And it was kind of an easy ride when it comes to like having to field, you know, criticism about that kind of stuff. And then now that I win, everybody's like, who's that? What's going on over there? She's 27 and she ran on defund and she has no political experience. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> None. Well, yeah. Do you feel that you have political experience? I feel I don't feel like I don't. Like I have, it's interesting because the register endorsed Marcus over me based on mm-hmm. his experience. Right. But his experience was, um, I mean, he's got like planning experience and stuff like that like he's a city planner so that's cool Mm -hmm. um but as the neighborhood association like president i wonder how many city council meetings he's been to when i was at like almost every single one i missed two in a year um and i'm like does that count as political experience does researching like the entire structure of the city and like learning it myself and learning what tiff is which is an extremely confusing Uh, concept like does that count as political experience yeah does like informing other people what those things are count as political experience like yeah i kind of feel like i do like (laughs) i was confident about running for this seat because i was like i already know how to do the job like (laughs) i already know half this stuff yeah i mean you seem you know listing all that stuff you seem more prepared than than most who, who yeah. are there's some council members who don't know this stuff yeah yeah i'm sure yeah. there's people yeah there right now who know less than you about how the yeah. city is structured yeah yeah it's interesting they didn't push marcus at all on whether that whether he attended city council meetings or whether that counts mm. as experience well you so were there so you probably would have seen him right Oh, that's true. Um, well, it was, it was mostly Zoom, virtual. Yeah. Well, mm. Oh, sure. Were, okay, well, okay. here's the thing. Early on in Zoom, you could see who was there yeah. until they started shutting that shit down. <laughs> it down so tight. After August, um, when everybody was just unmuting, like literally, I think Jalen, you were the first one to do it. I remember oh, I that. Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just like, we're in these chats and he's like, I can unmute. And we were like, do it. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, like people just started unmuting and yelling and like, they were like, we have to get a whole new Zoom program. Nobody could see who like was in the meeting. You could, you didn't have a, an unmute or unmute button unless like it was given to you. Oh man, it was bad. <laughs> it got so strict with the city council rules that they literally got to the point where if you raise your hand on Zoom at a time you're not allowed to, you are kicked off the meeting. Mm-hmm. And they had a list going too. They had a they they would keep a list of people that county had deemed um, non-germane or ungermane or whatever. Um, and yeah, they would just keep this list of people and have the uh, city attorney whispering in his ear, not on camp, not on microphone. So open meeting laws, who knows? Um, but they had him whispering in his ear, like, no, that person can't talk. That person can't talk. Um, it was fun. We used it to our advantage sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> At least on Zoom, they can't uh, bring in the cops and tackle and arrest all of you. <laughs> yeah. <Not> yet. <laughs> that changed. <laughs> that changed real quick. <laughs> so when it became clear that you were going to win and coverage started, you know, national coverage of the story was being announced and everything, I think the favorite, my favorite headline that I saw was like, She's she won. She's twenty seven, and 
everyone else who is similar that ran on the same platform did not do so well. It was like they couldn't even they couldn't even like celebrate your victory. The the NBC one. Yeah. Every other word was like she won, but to be clear, no one else can. (laughs) Don't get any ideas. That was that was the narrative that a lot of people grabbed and ran with. And I think it's just because I was the most high profile case that ran explicitly on defund. Mm. But that narrative, it actually makes me so mad because um, I was endorsed by run for something. And so they have this whole like database of previous candidates and they have this whole database of like everybody that they um, are currently endorsing. Yeah literally so many like hundreds I don't know I don't know how many like it feels like hundreds of people and I at one point had just gone through there and like found all these cool people that I liked um and then when they were when election coverage was coming in when election results were coming in they were like tweeting out this huge thread of like this person won that person won that person won and so in a couple nights later I was going through and being like who do I need to link up with um this person ran on taking money away from police and reallocating this person ran on shrinking the police department this person ran on community public safety instead of police and I'm like And then there are some people who were like from smaller towns who ran on defund. And I'm like, they're like, everyone's like, no one else ran on defund. Or if they did, they lost because one ballot measure in Minneapolis right. didn't go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, I'm, it makes me crazy watching it because I'm just like, <laughs> it's literally a lie. Like other people ran on defund and won. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> well, we are, we're talking about it here on Rock Art Caucus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk we about anything. <laughs> I promise to hate anyone you want me to hate for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, who in the city do we'll, we need to start yeah, sending we'll like job people. listings? Yeah. Like- oh my god! Oh my god! I am here. I'm never going to run for anything because of the things I've said on this podcast. Yeah. Like, what needed to be what needed to be bleeped earlier in this. So, if you oh need- yeah, I didn't ask you guys. I've been here for an hour and I've been cussing this whole time. Am I allowed to cuss? Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't, Justin will add them in in post anyway. Oh, like, <laughs> like, I'll just give a bank of like swear words. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Perfect, them yes. Drop them here and there. Yeah. <laughs> I meant like I probably shouldn't have mentioned. Not- yeah. Okay, yeah. You know what? I thought, I really thought that there was going to be a lot more resistance to me running with some of the shit I've said online. And there wasn't. So honestly, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's become more and more of a non-issue just because everyone under the age of 40 has, like, said yeah. horrible things online mm. under their real name. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Also, like, look at our political landscape. Like, people like people who say mm-hmm. shit like that online. Um, I would not have won if I wasn't so radical and didn't already have, like, somewhat of a radical base in Des Moines who yeah. is, like, if I say eat the rich, they're going to be like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, right. anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, we owe that to Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he capitalized on a moment. Yeah. <laughs> no more civilian politics. Yeah, honestly, though. Yeah. I'd rather somebody, like, call me a racial slur to my face than do it behind my back or, like, not even say it at all, but basically be doing the same thing. Be things. thinking it instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't mind Joe Gatto. I know exactly where he stands. I know exactly what he's about. And he's not going to hide it. Neither am I. <laughs> Great. We come to the table without having to play me those games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people respect that in people, like people who will stand up to stuff and be like, I ran on defund and I'm not voting for this. Like people respect that, even if they don't agree. I think they have a Mm -hmm. lot more respect for someone who like is bold and then stands up for it every single time versus Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, someone who does this wishy-washy bullshit. Like even the minute if you- I go back on any of this, I'm going to have people banging down my door. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, that's how it should be. Like, I was, like, I'm like, I, I literally was having this conversation with like one of the other council members. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I am under so much more scrutiny than you. I cannot vote <laughs> like a certain way on anything because like immediately I'm going to be like torn apart. I'm like, I have to stick with these principles or I'm a fucking liar the whole time. And like, I'm going to, like, it's not a question, but it's like, you can't be like trying to talk me into shit and trading votes. Like I can't do it. <laughs> like yeah. my people don't do politics that way. Yeah. Your base is far more engaged and militant. Yeah. 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 And that's my fault. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like saying like, oh, don't let Jalen take credit for like being aware of the city council shit. But like literally like I like I was organizing around city council meetings and drawing other people in. And like that fucking 14 hour meeting happened because I posted on my Instagram story at like 8 p.m. Like, hey, they're trying to give one hundred thousand dollars to DMPD. And suddenly everybody shows up and is fucking pissed. Like I'm I'm like it's, it's great. And it's not like I it was me doing that alone, like it had to be like a huge group of people who were engaged and there were people who were like organizing with me, like every single step of the way, but like very much so like I went to a meeting and realized it was shit and then didn't stop coming. (laughs) Like, and so I can't build that come from that and then sit here and be like, don't get mad at me because I'm, you know, (laughs) making this liberal vote or like, Oh, it's better than nothing. And incrementalism. I can't do it. (laughs) I'm going to be a no vote probably like 75, 90% of the time. (laughs) I mean, it's part of the like really beautiful thing of funding your campaign on like so many small donations is like, well, then you have so many stakeholders versus like you have no faith in what Josh Mandelbaum is going to do because you have to pay a thousand dollars to go to a stupid fucking dinner you know and there's only so many people who can do it Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it's like you're when you have that many people who have a stake in your campaign it means you have to or you're not going to be able to run a re-election like you have to re-engage your people yeah and like there's people there's a lot of people outside of ward one who have been like incredibly supportive or incredibly excited and it's like, obviously I'm a representative for ward one, but a lot of people have like their expectations on me. Like it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be looking at what I'm doing and like looking for somebody who's going to change the way things have been done because it's so like disheartening right now. And yeah, I have a lot, I have a lot to live up to. Like I set a high standard for myself, so I have to meet it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, and I think so many of us, it's like, we understand that you are one of seven, but to see someone fucking trying for yeah. once, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah, we know that you can't change all of it, but it's like, to we never see anyone who gives a fucking try, you know? Yeah. And I, we're just advocates for I something different. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, yeah. 100%. Because, like, I'm going to be talking my shit all the fucking time up there. Yeah. Like, like they're going to push something through with six votes, and I'm going to have gone on a whole rant about mm-hmm. it. And I'm going to make them look bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, That's honestly going to be your power. Me, like, how are you going to, yeah. They're like, how are you going to get stuff done? Like, you're one of seven. And I'm like, I'm going to make them look bad. I'm going to embarrass Frank County because he comes up here and acts like he's this like progressive liberal environmentalist. Like, what have you done? (laughs) And if I actually like the reason he's like, this isn't germane. We're not talking about that. Don't address that is because if you actually bring it up and put it in front of his face and he says no, like you've lost all credibility there. Oh, I love affordable housing. Like, okay, like, where is it? (laughs) That's my strategy. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you said there's all those seats up for election next year. And by that time, there will be several months of watching you be the one of seven who is on the people's side. 
yeah, getting and everyone will be pissed off every time they see it. <laughs> so that that'll build up more of a base, more people engaged for the next election. Exactly. And hopefully, yeah. no, it's more of you can join. We had to generate excitement for this campaign to be to like take off, right? We had to generate excitement for it, us to win. That's like half the battle. Half the battle was field. Half the battle was like just giving some people something to be excited about. And weirdly enough, like I think that my run on city council is going to be maintaining that. Um, because otherwise mm-hmm. people are going to forget about it in two years and we're not going to get that the changes that we actually need to see. Like my role is as a city councilor, sure. But like, I am dumb if I think that I can work with any of these people on the things that I actually want to get done. And I, and I'm not yeah. dumb. So it's like, <laughs> I'm going to make a fuss for a couple of years and see what we can do in the next election. Well, they certainly said to the register, they feel that you're going to have a lot of common ground you'll be able to find. So. Isn't that cute? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They think they think they'll be able to do the same thing to you that they've done to everyone, which is as soon as someone gets into one of these positions, they just get absorbed by the institution. Mm-hmm. And- but I already don't believe in the institution. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's this mindset of like electoral. Like, I feel like a lot of times when it's like activists or community organizers or any of that, it's like going to like run for office. Like, it's a really good thing, but they're always looking at electoralism as the solution. And it's just not. Yeah. I think that this campaign, we had to be really specific and that like the win is the second like priority. Uh, The first priority was engagement, outreach, community building, like the People's Council. The first like goal was actually giving a new kind of politics to look at. And the second goal was winning and hopefully getting a seat of power for those politics. But without, yeah, like without the first part, like without the politics, there's no point in having the seat because then you're just trying to work through the institution that is built to keep these things from happening. Yeah, you got to grow the base. Yeah. It's, And, you know, you winning is going to grow it even more because you're getting all this media attention and people see, oh, she sounds interesting. Maybe I'll actually pay attention <laughs> to local politics. A better world is possible? <laughs> what? <laughs> we can ask for things. <laughs> <laughs> was it so funny when they texted you I feel so much of this is just gonna be funny i feel like <laughs> it was hilarious like it was literally just throughout the night i was like i got a text from scott sanders <laughs> 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 um, linda westergaard is not gonna hear this and i don't really care if she does but um literally at our at our uh, party, when I got a text from Linda Westergaard, we literally had uh, Giovanni Bahena read it over the speaker in his <laughs> Linda Westergaard voice. <laughs> because he has like literally like impersonated her so many times <laughs> online. He was so mad about it. But yeah, he gave us Linda's reading of the text. She's not a Patreon subscriber, is she, Justin? <laughs> no, no. If she doesn't hate no. me now, she's going to hate me in two weeks. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Make her job hard. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. It's fun. It's also my brain is just like going a million miles an hour all the time of like what's next? What do we do? How do we build it? Yeah, I guess that's yeah. a good question. What are you doing in the meantime before you take office in January? Yeah, um people's council is the first priority. I'm obviously taking meetings with like City people, transitioning, onboarding, all of that. Um, and it was really weird to realize I was the only one doing it because like everybody else is from the previous council. I was like, God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm taking meetings with like that kind of thing. But like 
really what I want to be doing is honestly starting to build policy as soon as I can um, with these people who are reaching out to me who are like, here's an issue or I work at this institution that works with the city and like we can give you like the break, like the lowdown on what's going on with this. Nothing sketchy, even just like you want to know what's going on in this institution so you can make decisions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really building up the people's council. Uh, we're going to like keep organizing. It's looking like, you know, you door knock for a campaign and, and you've got like a specific end date. And now it's like you still need the people like I can't go and oh, I'm the voice of the people and never talk to them. So we're going to be going out. We're going to be organizing around, you know, like big issues that are coming up to city council, like right away, things the city are working on and getting people's feedback about that because the city process doesn't work. They say we reach out to people. We have these community meetings at one specific time um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sucks if you can't be there. Um, And so, yeah, we're going to have to essentially do a lot of the legwork that the city isn't doing. We're going to have to do a lot of, you know, establishing programs the city is going to take forever to establish if they even do. But yeah, that's the goal, essentially, like doing politics at the level of the people versus just looking at how can I make change from the top. And so for people listening to this, what would be the best way for them to like get involved with what you are building right now? How do they find that? I think staying on top of the socials, like if if you're on any social media platform, we have socials there, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. I think that's it. Um, but yeah, so like we're going to be like once we have something solid for people to hop onto, uh, we are going to be pushing it as hard as we can mm-hmm. on there. If you're not on socials at all, I mean, like email us, we'll put your name on a list okay. <laughs> and like, yeah, just like give us your information and we will reach out because, you know, we're going to need a whole lot of people to be able to do this. We're going to need a whole lot of buy-in. We're going to need a whole lot of people who are willing to go out and knock doors of their neighbors. And it's also going to be like something that we want to be focusing the same way we're in the campaign, like not just on the Beaverdale area. Like I, we're going to get a lot of people who are passionate, you know, who aren't happy with, with the way things are, but who have a lot more political mobility already. And we don't want to be just coming in and, you know, white savioring um, to other communities. Uh, But the other thing that we're going to need is money (laughs) because yeah, we like, we still have to like pay people. We still have to like have resources and spaces to meet all of those things. So right now we are fundraising through actblue.com slash donate slash Indira. That's the page we're using. So if you are outside of Des Moines, if you um, want to, you know, help out, but don't like have the capacity to participate, or if you're like, you and your, you know, white friends in Beaverdale are all like, I'd love to, but <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hit, we'll hit you up later. Um, you can donate. Yeah. We, we need the funds. Cause we, yeah, we got a lot of work to do. It's not ending right now. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be the episode. <laughs> there is one, uh, non Indira related thing. I wanted to make sure we mentioned on this episode, uh, the, Central Iowa DSA is organizing a trip out to the Ankeny picket lines on Thursday. Uh, And they've got a link set up to RSVP for that. So I will be putting that in the description of this episode. Yep. 6 p.m. Yeah, 6. What's that bar called? Good Times. Good Times in Ankeny. And then everyone will be going out to the, the picket. So if you're close by, I think you should do that too. 
I will be there. Um, are you going to make the trip, Justin? I was going. I haven't told you yet, but I forgot I have a prior engagement. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I'm not going to make it over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pre- I'm planning on going. Evan. Oh, you are. Okay, Great. for sure. Mm-hmm. I will see Great. you there. I will find another picket closer to me sometime. Yeah, that this week makes more sense. That one, that's but... a that's a long way to go. Well, I just wanted <laughs> to hang out with you guys. Basically, is all. Hang out with the union members. Yeah. All right. Well, and dear Shoemaker, thank you so much for talking to us tonight. And thank you for running in that election. And thank you for winning. Oh, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) I had fun. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you for all that you've done and our planning today. This has been a real pleasure speaking with you. It's been it's been fun talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And uh, yeah, our offer to dig up dirt on any of your enemies is also still valid. I'll let you <laughs> have them. <laughs> Don't tease me with a good time. <laughs> you you better believe that I was looking up on the city assessor's house or assessor's website how much Bill Gray's house cost <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> Let's get it together, make a nation, you can bet on it, don't